TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We're going to be joined on the SDCCU uh, fan hotline by a lady I watched all weekend on Fox Sports San Diego. She works for the Union Tribune and works for Fox Sports San Diego as a sideline reporter for Padre Baseball. Annie Heilbrunn, nice enough to join us on 97.3 The Fan. Well, uh, you were pretty busy this weekend, young lady. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Coach. It's great to be on with you. Yeah, it was a busy weekend. Uh, Good to see them end with a win. You know, losing gets tough. I think even though they say they weren't panicked, and even though you look at that week, Coach, as you know, it's a long baseball season, and it's just one week, really, that they've been sputtering here, you know? But it still does not make anyone happy to lose. So I think when you go through a six-game losing skid like that, it starts to at least just get a little old for, for all the players and for everyone else, right? So so it's good for them to snap that before they went into the off day. Hey, and you're down on the field uh, before, during, and even after the games. Uh, you know, like yesterday, I think you were interviewing uh, Austin Hedges, if I recall. And, uh, you know, when they were winning, you know, with these guys on the top step of the dugout all fired up. And, you know, lately they haven't been hitting. And a lot of times when a team isn't hitting, they look uh, uh, tired, lethargic. But what, what's what been the atmosphere down around the dugout during the games? Because you're normally right next to that dugout. Are they still uh, uh, pretty fired up during the games or are they just kind of waiting for something to happen right now? I think it's a little bit of half and half. I I know exactly what you're saying and I think that we did see a lot more of that when they were winning and they were winning consistently at the beginning of the season. Um, they they are very adamant that nothing has changed for them, that you know everything stays the same, win or lose. But I looked over there in the seventh or so inning when, when the Reds started to come back, they scored two more runs and it looked, it started to look dicey, like you said. And, you know, it, it looked a little bit like um, – there was no quit in them at all, but it just looked a little bit like, okay, we can't lose again, you know? So, so I think that you're on something there that it's just been a little bit, um, you know, they just haven't had anything to celebrate. So if they don't have anything to celebrate, then, then they're kind of off that top step and they're kind of just doing their work or getting ready for their next hit or whatever they're doing. But it wasn't the dynamic dugout that we were seeing in the first week. Definitely. Annie Halbrun from the Union Tribune and Fox Sports San Diego, nice enough to join us on this uh, Monday morning on the SDCCU uh, fan hotline. Boy, it was good to see Eric Hosmer have a, a good last couple of games. He had the three-hit night with a homer on Saturday and then came back, had an RBI hit yesterday. Uh, I still think this guy is going to get back to being the old Eric Hosmer, even though we really didn't see it last year either. Yeah, he... He's really uh, confident that the way that he's approaching his at-bats and that the work that he's put in this offseason, that he's going to start hitting the way he knows he can hit. He He's lifting the ball. If you look at the, the stats, too, he's lifting the ball in the air more. He's got a better launch angle this year. Um, he's hitting less grounders. He's making better contact on the bat. So all those things, you know, would lead you to believe that it's going to start turning for him. He's, he's been hitting into some bad luck. He hasn't been perfect. He's been striking out a little too much as well. And, and I don't think he has the walks that he wants, 
But at the same time, you know, it, I think that it's just been a sluggish start to him, and I think that he he's very, very confident about his approach and that he feels good. You know, he said last year he couldn't really find his groove as far as his feeling, and I think you see that sometimes when guys come to new teams. I think it's just I think it's just a lot more difficult than people think to, to come to a new team, especially after you've been in the same place for an extended period of time. Um, so he said that one of the biggest things for him this year is just feeling himself. And I think that'll go a long way. He knows what he wants to feel like at the plate. And if he's feeling that, he's just hitting into some bad luck right now, and that should turn for him. And we'll just have to wait and see if that does happen. But he feels very good about it. You know, you mentioned that, and I definitely think there's an adjustment period. I don't care whether you're switching leagues, switching teams, switching divisions. There's an adjustment period. And, you know, I think we could go on the other side of the diamond, Annie, and talk a little bit about Manny Machado. Even though he he was in this uh, division for the second half of last year, I still think, you know, he hasn't even scratched the surface of what he normally is. He's still trying to find his way in a pod uniform yeah you nailed it I mean Andy Green said the other day that he's got another gear in him that we haven't even seen you know and I think it's true I think I think that you know it, it especially for him having spent so much time with the Orioles I, I just think that you know you get so comfortable in a place and huh. you know it in and out and you know the fans and the people and the and the the um, stadium and everything about it right and then you, you get kind of thrust into LA and now you know you have a home here in San Diego for the next, you know, 10 years or whatnot. But at the same time, it takes, it takes a minute. You know, you're still learning people. You're still learning the ins and outs of San Diego. You're still, you're just kind of still learning the division, like you said, and, and everything about it, uh, you know, about just being on a new team. And I just, I do think that there's a comfort level. There's an, an adjustment level that is an intangible that comes with that. And it's funny because I think it's like that in almost every sport. I mean, I remember when I covered, you know, the Chargers were in San Diego, you'd get guys that would say, you know, in year one, that they felt comfortable, that everything was fine, that everything was good, they felt great. And then in year two, I mean, it was like they would admit, hey, it was really, really hard, you know. <laughs> and, and so I, I just, you're never, I don't think you're ever going to get a guy standing there saying, hey, it's really, really hard for me to come to a new team. But I really do think it is. It, there is an, an adjustment period, like you said. Annie Hobburn, our guest here on 97.3 The Fan. Uh, Annie, Ian Kinsler hitting a buck 54 right now. Luis Urias uh, shipped out over the weekend after going two for 24. Uh, I was talking earlier in the program, should the Padres bring up uh, Ty France, the kid that's absolutely on fire right now in AAA, the former Aztec. He hit two more homers yesterday. He's hitting uh, 440 and, uh, uh, you know, just been uh, in 75 at-bats. He's got 33 hits and just uh, going absolutely crazy. Never played second base really until this past week. Uh, you hear anything around the organization about their they're thinking about bringing him up? Yeah, good for Ty France there. Those are some amazing numbers. Um, the, there is no talk of Ty France right now. There is only talk of Ian Kinsler and also giving Greg Garcia some time. So I think that they're going to want to pepper in Greg Garcia, get him off the bench more, and, and making some starts and see how he does also in that position and also give Kinsler another chance maybe to string together, you know, more, more starts and get his bat, maybe give him more of a chance to get his bat hot. I mean, you've, you've seen with that second base position with Urias and with Kinsler, you know, it, neither one of them was making a run for that position, right? So at the plate, so, but they felt like Urias has the ability at least to go down and work on his at bats and that he's, his timing, his rhythm just isn't where, it, where they want it to be. And right now they're riding with Ian Kinsler. They, 
are um, pretty adamant that he's the second baseman and that they're also going to give Greg Garcia some time. But, you know, who knows what's going on behind the scenes that they're not telling us, you know, of course. Um, it's definitely hard to ignore some of those numbers that you, that you just said right there. But right now, it, as of yesterday at least, it sounds like they are going with Ian Kinsler and, and giving Greg Garcia some time. Well, when you look at uh, all three of those guys, you know, uh, France, you know, you're going to give up a little bit defensively, but you may gain something offensively. That's something that the organization is going to have to weigh. Uh, Urias is only 21 years of age, and, you know, he, he's a very talented young ball player. And Kinsler, you know, coming off a down year with the bat last year with the Angels in Boston, he did win the gold glove, but only hit 240 last year. Father Time may be catching up with him and his bat speed. Only time's going to tell on that, uh, but it'll be interesting to see if the Padres decide to to bring up Ty France and sacrifice a little uh, defense for for more offense. Hey, Annie, I want to get to this chop because it's really pretty cool, uh, and I've seen uh, Fernando Tatis uh, Jr. do it, and Machado, uh, Hosmer. They're they're doing this chop. Where did it uh, come from, and what does it represent? So the chop came from Fernando Tatis Jr. doing it in the Dominican League over winter ball when he was playing for the Estrellas. Uh, the team did it. It wasn't just him. The huh. team did it. And it was a way to honor the sugarcane workers who said that their his hometown is just filled with sugarcane workers. A lot of people work in the fields there. And so you grab the sugarcane at the top and you chop it at the bottom. And so he said that they as a team in the Dominican would do that to honor them and, and, and as kind of an ode to them. Well, some Padres players saw him do it or saw some video of it and whatnot, and so they liked it, and they started doing it. And then it just caught fire, and it became something that is kind of like that rallying cry for them. You know, you, you mentioned guys on the top dugout. Well, when they're winning and they're, they're doing a lot of those big plays that we saw at the beginning of the season, you'll see guys at the top of the dugout doing the chop whenever, you know, someone gets on base or whatnot, and, and they're doing it back and forth to each other, right? So it is fun to watch. Um, I think it's a really cool story. I think, it, you know, it still honors the Dominican, and I think it, it just means a lot to Fernando Tatis Jr. and having played there in the offseason with his dad and, and the way he talks about that experience. I mean, it's almost like that experience was even more, you know, even bigger than making it to the big leagues. You know, it, it wasn't. You know, he, he won't say that, but it was just such a special experience to him to be in the Dominican League and play for his hometown and um, and win that championship. So, so I, it's just a really cool story, and like I said, the Padres caught fire with it, and they all do it now, and they all have their own style of doing it. But it really does go back to those sugarcane workers, which is pretty cool. That's really cool. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot, obviously, on this program about Fernando Tatis Jr. I've been around Padre baseball. Well, I've seen every team the Padres have ever put out since 1969. And when I start talking about uh, Tatis Jr., I I get giddy and uh, bubbly. I mean, this this guy is so fun to watch. It's unbelievable, really, how good he is for being only 20 years old. Yeah, he's so passionate on the field it's so fun to watch him play like just his pure passion but he's also it's it's what works for him is he's so laid back and he just doesn't get too high doesn't get too low um his father you know obviously playing in the major leagues and his mom it just seems you know they they were here for the first week when he made his debut and it is the coolest family i mean you know he's got four other brothers and sisters they're all very tight-knit he is a family boy he's a mama's boy he is (laughs) <laughs> just you know, part of that that strong family. It's that dynamic. If you see him in the tunnel, I mean, it's just the coolest thing. But when you talk to Fernando Tatis Jr., I mean, it doesn't. He does not come across as twenty years old. He seems like he's a veteran, and not not one of those you know wily veterans, but just the calmest veteran, the most 
um, grateful veteran for being there. You know, just just a veteran guy. He hangs with Hosmer and Kinsler and Machado just like he's been there forever. You know, so it's it's really cool to see him just kind of grow into this major league uh, career, but also just be himself. I think that's been like the coolest thing about Fernando Tatis Jr. is he is so himself in the in the clubhouse when he talks to the media, when he's playing on the baseball field. And I think that that's what's going to catapult him into just like a phenomenal career is he he's him and he's very grateful to be there, but he's you know out to to play his best baseball. Um, and just the way that he approaches the game is something that I've never seen. You know, a lot of times you see rookies come up and and rightfully so, right? Like they're they're nervous or they um, they want to prove something extra hard or, or, or things like that. And he's just as calm as could be. You know, hey, it's pretty cool. Hey, Annie, I'm gonna let you get out of here on this one and enjoy. Uh, hopefully, you're enjoying an off day today because you worked all weekend and worked on the holiday. Uh, last question. Aside from dodging foul balls and trying to stay away from getting hit by a foul ball, when you're doing the uh, Fox Sports San Diego assignment down there on the field during the game and, and doing reports, what's the most challenging aspect uh, of being a sideline reporter during a major league game for you? Oh, I think that, uh, let's see, you know, you have to be prepared for a lot of different hits. You have to have a lot of different storylines, and it just depends on the way that the, the game turns. So we could, get, you know, I'll go into the game with 10 different storylines and you can maybe use one of them depending on if, you know, things don't happen the way that, that you know, you might think they might happen or, they, you know, the, the team starts losing or um, they get behind in a certain way or, or things like that. So um, I think that, you know, that there's a lot of just different turning on the dime. Like you, you're always, you never shut your brain down. It's, you're never just kind of sitting there watching the game. You're constantly kind of thinking, you know, about different angles and what's going to happen, you know, if this happens or that happens. Um, it's challenging, but it's super fun. I mean, it's like you you have to – it's like a big adrenaline rush the whole time. Um, and then, of course, you know, if you go do interviews and things like that, you're, you're missing the game at some point. So just kind of making sure you're always aware of the game and everything like that. But um, it goes fast. I mean, it really does move fast a lot of times. And, and as you know, Coach, you know, you could be in the eighth inning and everything changes, and then all of a sudden you're doing interviews at the end that you didn't think you were going to do at the beginning or, or, or even an inning ago, you know. So you just always have to be prepared for anything and everything. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun. That's very well put because we can go down on the field uh, thinking uh, they're in the eighth inning uh, that we're going to interview so-and-so, and all of a sudden uh, uh, things can shift either for their team or our team, and uh, all of a yep. sudden uh, you're out on the field uh, hopefully celebrating a Padre victory. Annie, thanks so much for the time as always, and uh, hopefully uh, you get a little R&R today. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. You guys have a good one today. You're welcome. Annie Heilbrunn from the Union Tribune and Fox Sports San Diego joining us on the SDCCU Fan Hotline. You can also nominate SDCCU Best Credit Union in the Union Tribune's Reader's Poll daily at sdccu.com slash nominate San Diego County Credit Union. It's not big banking. It's better. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.